Hello, and welcome to the third episode of You and Everyone Else, a podcast about all things relationship-focused. My name is Alex Stewart, and my co-host is Haley Bachman. I am recording this after we did our initial recording, uh, because we realized after we recorded it that it ended up going really long. We loved talking about this kind of stuff. So we split them into two parts. And so this is part two of our personality test crash course. If you've not given episode one a listen, definitely go back and check that out. This week, we're talking about the Enneagram of personality and the love languages test. Uh, Thank you so much for everyone that has listened and supported and followed our Instagram and and done literally anything involving this podcast. It is so, so appreciated. Um, And thank you for joining us for episode three. I do. So love languages you might hear about a lot more. I'd say probably in the last 10 years, it's mm-hmm. been a lot um, around a lot more in people's sphere and circles, um, specifically within your interpersonal lives, but also definitely in your work life. Mm-hmm. People use these all the time, especially if you work in an interpersonal field. Um, this was made by this guy named Gary Chapman. He's a marriage counselor. Um, and it really breaks down the way you give and receive love into five categories. Um, so the way to understand your love language, I'll give those five categories, but before I do, the five love languages is one of the tests that are actually free and is available online. They have a children's version, they have a a teen's version, they have a couple's version, they have a married version, they have a single's version. Um, I didn't know they have, like, a parent version they kind of yeah they kind of like broke it all apart um which is very cool so they put that on their website and it is free you don't have to put in data for um to take it but other than that it's free which is great um and so that is on their official website so the five love languages they're called languages because it's giving and receiving so it is the way you communicate and the way other people communicate to you um those five languages are words of affirmation acts of service quality time, receiving gifts, and physical touch. Um, Way to go through these. I mean, they seem pretty self-explanatory, so I don't want to, like, harp on them too much. But words of affirmation can really be just simple as that, of using your words to make someone um, feel recognized, to um, put emphasis on what someone did. Uh, And it could be the same for you. You also might like to give words of affirmation, but you might not be the type of person to receive them. You might not like special attention drawn to you in that way, um, but you like to give it to others. Um, Second, um, well, I I won't go in the order I probably said. So physical touch. This is the one that I want to acknowledge. You might, normally if you like to receive physical touch, you normally like to give it. Mm. Um, This is one that's kind of unique in that way. I've never met somebody who's like, I love getting hugs, but I hate giving them. Like, I've never met somebody. (laughs) It's like a two-way street. It's a two-way street. You can't touch someone and them not touch you. Yeah, it's like, don't touch me. (laughs) I I only touch you. Like, that's just not the way it is. So, um, but physical touch, maybe that, um, it really could be simple as in you're trying to comfort somebody and so you put their hand on their shoulder um, or you like to hold a person's hand when you talk to them and say something really serious serious and um, it can be anything like that receiving gifts this is one that definitely does not work both ways some people Mm. hate getting gifts but they love to give them Mm -hmm. 
I'd say parents sometimes can really be that way. They love to give, 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 yes. give, which is so sweet. I love that about them. Um, My dad always says, like, when I ask him what I can get him for, like, Christmas or his birthday, and he just goes, your presents. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, <laughs> dork. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And also, like, side note, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what to eat my parents because, like, they're stable. If they want something, can't they just go get it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Real jobs and we're in grad school. I know. I'm in grad school. Like, I don't know what to get you. Um, but, but yes, that, that's definitely one that's very different for a lot of people, I'd say. Acts of service is also that way. So, um, I love the acts of service one. That's actually not one of my strongest gifts, but I really love to receive it. That's one of my highest ones is, so sometimes my dad would take my car and go get it washed for me. Um, he still does this now. That is like, it's just a huge burden off my shoulders. Something like Mm. that, um, is a really great way to receive love, um, and so, so I'd say acts of service is really done typically in that way of you did the dishes for somebody, you folded their laundry when they weren't around, or you held a door open. I mean, it can be very, very simple. Um, that, that's a good way to give it and to receive it is the exact same. Quality time is exactly what it sounds like, just spending time with somebody. Um, once again, I almost would say think that that is one that is a two-way street because it involves you both being together (laughs) so typically um if somebody enjoys quality time with other people they want you to give them quality time Mm -hmm. um so but once again it's individual to you so explore these and kind of feel it out of if you like to give or receive and when you take the test um they should reveal that answer to you as well. But kind of just get to know your own love languages, especially when they say these are your top five or your top two. Um, and they give you the – they rank them all in order, all five in order. Mm-hmm. But the, I really would just focus on your top two as, like, these are the ones that I do the most. Um, and then explore them or do I also like to receive them because it might not be that way. Mm. Um other really unique thing about love languages is that these are not, they're called love languages, but people don't really keep them in the category of romantic love, um, which is great because this isn't just meant for romantic love. This is meant for work. This is meant for um, the atmospheres you find yourself in as we're in grad school, as we're working with our coworkers, when I'm with my friends. Odds are, um, yes, at face value, the way I receive love from my significant other isn't the same way I receive love from my family, but at its core roots, I want them to give me the same love. Mm-hmm. My One of my top is um, gift giving, and I have this distinct memory of, I think you had gone to Duncan at one point. This was back when we worked in housing. This. It was like the beginning of our like friendship. And you had gone to Dunkin' and you brought back two donuts because you weren't sure which one I would like. <laughs> I brought and, you a strawberry one and, and a, then cake, do- yes, like yes, a yes. cake donut or something. And so uh, I, I told you that I liked the cake one the best. And then the next time you went out to Dunkin', it was just like a surprise. You remembered that like that was the one I preferred. And so you're like, I got this one for you because I knew this was your, your favorite. <laughs> and like that meant so much to me because it wasn't just a donut it was a donut you remember that I liked right and so like yes I love you with my whole heart because you're my best friend (laughs) um but also like that that was like the giving and receiving of love in a a platonic work sense yeah absolutely and and I love that because that is something so simple
people, but it meant so much specifically to Alex's personality. And that's mm-hmm. why this is still a personality test, is it is geared back to the way that you give and receive love is a big way that shapes the rest of who you are. If you're mm-hmm. an extrovert and an introvert, the way I give and receive love, maybe quality time isn't my thing. Um, maybe words of affirmation is, maybe whatever. So um, definitely something to get to know and explore. So your top one is... Uh, I don't remember in what order, but my top two are uh, words of affirmation and gift giving. And gift giving. Mm-hmm. Good. And I don't remember what I... I think for me, when I... So that's like what I like to receive. So when I show my, when I show love to other people, the ones that I feel like are most meaningful to give is like uh, physical touch um, and acts of service. Mm-hmm. Like when I do those things, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Um, cause I just, it's not that I don't normally do those. It's just, I'm not a very like touchy feely person. I grew up in like a German Catholic household. <laughs> so, like, um, I was just especially when you want to give me a hug. I'm like, <laughs> I get a hug. Well, I remember, um, sorry for calling your family out mixed meanies, but when my dad first started dating my stepmom, we went over to their Thanksgiving for the first time and they are like a touchy feely family. And like, that's just not how my, mm-hmm. my, my, um, grandma's family was. And I remember walking in and everyone was hugging me. They were kissing me on the cheek. And I had just, literally was just meeting these people. Uh. And I remember looking over at my brother and being like, what is happening? What is going on? He probably was like, I don't know. Like, just shrugged his shoulders. Is this how families are supposed to be? Um, But yeah, I I just remember being like, whoa, that's, okay. This family is just like very affectionate. That's That's just how they are. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I... What are your top two? That's funny. Um, mine is physical touch is number one, mm-hmm. and words of affirmation is number two. I would argue they swap all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think words of affirmation is funny because we exercise all the time. Sometimes we'll give each other notes or, mm-hmm. like, cards mm-hmm. or, like, randomly we'll say something that's really uplifting for the other person or we feel very understood in that moment. Yep. Oh, that's the best. I feel very hard. Um, and so that's odd. That's where we, I think, exchange love the most. But um, Because we can't always, like, physically speak to one another. Our I schedules know. are, like, insanely opposite. And so she'll just, like, leave me a Kit Kat sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Because I know she likes she likes to give gifts, but I also like to give her gifts. Um, and so, and literally, when I go to buy something for Alex, I say out loud, like whoever's with me, I'm like, Alex likes to give gifts. Why? Sometimes I give her things. <laughs> like I, they like people know this. Like I announce Alex's love languages. Um, so anyway, and then physical touch is my big one. I'm like mm-hmm. super touchy feely, but I also recognize not everybody likes that, sure, and so sure. I try to keep my hands to myself. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Shout out to Cody Flowers. Shout out to Cody Flowers taught me that because not everybody likes to get a hug, and yeah. that is okay. So I will keep my distance. Um, but if you want a hug, I am so open for a hug all the time. Ailey's <laughs> the person that's like she can sense if someone needs a hug, and she'll be like. Can I hug you? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I like have a radar on my head. I also um, have this. So I have a theory about the love languages. I don't know. I've oh. not done any research into this. I've literally just taken the test. So I've not like done Please research share. on like where love languages has come from or anything. So my theory is that your top two love languages come from your childhood wounds. So for me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So for me, gift giving and words of affirmation are huge because I have these distinct memories growing up of like feeling like my parents didn't quite understand the gifts I was asking for. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was very young, 
like I had this huge blow up fight with my mom because I was like, you just don't understand me. I feel like you don't even know what my favorite color is. And like that Christmas, she gave me my Ray Bradbury's, well, our favorite author. Our favorite author, uh, yeah. It's one of the reasons. That's the reason we're <laughs> friends. Uh, but Ray Bradbury's been my favorite author. I can't even remember a, a time before mm-hmm. he was. Um, and I remember that Christmas, my mom gave me this huge framed Fahrenheit 451 poster. And like... In that moment, I was like, she listened. Like, Aww, she heard me. And so I think, like, the the feeling like there was a lack of that thing in my childhood now makes me seek it out in adulthood. Very interesting. See, and I would say that maybe not my childhood wound, but my childhood memories. Mm. Like, physical touch was huge in our house. My yeah. family is so touchy-feely and just all the time. Hugs, hugs, hugs. Love you, love you, love you. I mean, I never... Like, we would never leave the house. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to publish five minutes. Okay, love you. Bye. Like, it, it is never – it was always something we did. And so I think words of affirmation um, – well, definitely physical touch is something that I don't know if it's created to my – or connected to my childhood wound. But mm-hmm. I would say words of affirmation might be because yeah. um, I, I think sometimes our house always had, like, a tendency to be sometimes a little shallow. And so it was really important for me to always, like, voice – what was happening, how I was feeling, mm-hmm. how was the other person feeling, are you okay, am I okay, yeah. da, 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 da. and so I think words were huge for me, and that is why they're really important to me now, because yes, that's why I'm seeking it out, because I don't like keeping things shallow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow, you really went for it. Listen, oh, we're... One, two. We're, <laughs> we're talking about personality tests, we might as well get deep. Um, I've, I've just always felt that way, because uh, I remember... And I don't think that it was a lack of, like, my parents. I had a a good childhood. Like, even though my parents got divorced, they both, like, did their their best to take care of my brother and I. But I think that I felt a perceived lack of that, even if my mom was like, you know, like, I got a fucking PS3. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I got a PS3 for Christmas one year for crying out loud. Like, it wasn't like my parents were not giving me gifts. Of course. But it was the, the gift itself that was meaningful. Right, and I and I would say mm-hmm. the exact same mm-hmm. thing. It's it's that pivotal moment I can look back to when my parents did show up with their words, and I was like, yep. that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, so it's not that there was always this lack of, but there was notions that I was searching for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. so our last one, we left it last because <laughs> it is so important, and we talk about it all the time, yeah. and it's a super big buzz personality test right now especially in my realm so trendy so trendy um and trendy everywhere i'd say so anyway alex is gonna do it because she is now the known expert (laughs) so uh Haley is the person that introduced me to this first and foremost so i think the other reason we saved the enneagram for last is because this is part of the reason we became friends Mm -hmm. i think we talked about this in our first episode but like one of the things that Haley and I bonded so quickly over immediately was our love of personality tests. Um, I had not met another person who was like as geeky about this kind of stuff <laughs> as I was. Um, and then she introduced me to this Enneagram test and I was like, there's a personality test I've not heard of before. Yeah. And so I've literally in the year that we've known each other just like gathered up as much information about the Enneagram as I can. Yeah. Um, Alex is a sponge. We And the reason why it happened is because Alex did this cool thing that I didn't think about, but we were both assigned, we were both supervisors for our building mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, she was getting to know her RAs. We were supervising RAs at the time. And Alex was like, I'm giving personality tests to my RAs. 
I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And I stole it. And I was like... <laughs> I stole it from our housing training. Whatever. So. I said, I'm also going to do that. Have you heard of the Enneagram? I'm going to give my people the Enneagram. And she, and that's when, yeah. essentially, it happened. Um, and so you hear us say all the time, by the way, that like that's how Alex and I became friends. Or like, this is part of why we became friends. Yeah. But all this kind of happened like really fast. <laughs> it literally happened in like a month. Yeah. And everyone found us just like it was Haley and Alex Haley and Alex yeah, Haley and all Alex, together all, all the, the time, time. <laughs> yeah um all right so let's jump in I'm pumped so the Enneagram the I've done I doing research on like the history of this kind of stuff is difficult because it's so up in the air mm-hmm. so um there's this book called personality types by Riso and Hudson that I've been I'm not gonna say reading I'm listening to it on audible um <laughs> And they kind of talk a little bit about the history, but even in that book, they're like, well, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> and so it's, there's been a lot of questions about where it comes from, but the, the basic of it is it's come from alleged, it's come from like Sufi mysticism. There have been people that said that like Christian monks started it. So like it has roots in spirituality where specifically within spirituality, that's really up for debate. It's, it's hard to trace. Um, and so it's kind of more recently been taken on because, uh, if I remember correctly, there were, I want to say there were like people doing trainings out in California for the Enneagram and, um, a Christian youth pastor or like someone within Mm -hmm. the Christian organization, um, found this and they were like, whoa, we could use this framework because it's newer. It's like, it's different. Like Myers-Briggs was kind of like already out there um the Enneagram was kind of newer and so they took that and they used it as uh, a way to talk to people about their core personality types and how their core personality types um can can worship and uh like kind of find their purpose in Christ I think that's kind of my understanding of it um so the contemporary pieces for the Enneagram, you'll see a lot of stuff kind of centered around Christianity, uh, but that's really because I think that's, in my understanding, the largest group that has kind of like taken taken on this personality test. I really don't see a lot of agnostic Enneagram stuff unless it's um, coming from like the Enneagram Institute, which kind of collects data on the personality types. So yeah. that's and, the long-winded history. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned it because even if you like Google the Enneagram, people will find uh, on your Google machine. People your, will yep. find people will find that it says uh, they'll be like, "Is the Enneagram Christian?" Like people yes. ask that constantly all the time. Um, and it's really it's not, but it's been adopted yes. into this like Christian culture, and now. I, I mean, I go to church and, like, promise you every person in the room knows their Enneagram type. Yeah. Um, and whenever I meet someone that knows their Enneagram type, they're always Christian. Yeah. I've not met someone who has heard of the Enneagram and is not Christian. Yeah. Aside from me. Which is so interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting. I mean, I heard it from my Christian yeah. friends up in Nashville, and that's that's really how it got down to me. And so, um, I mean, I, I don't know really how it necessarily that happened. I wonder, I wonder how Enneagram, like, operates in that or I wonder if they ever try to break that mold or they conform to it or what yeah I think so from my understanding the The Enneagram Institute yeah the way way that the Enneagram Institute approaches it is more agnostic and like neutral Mm -hmm. um to me it doesn't really make sense why you would separate yourself from someone something like that if if people are excited and they're taking on this 
thing and they feel like it's true to them, then if they happen to use it in their faith, then yeah. fine. Um, so I think because it's not like harming anything, it's it's teaching people about who they are. It just happens to be teaching people about who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so, me as an atheist, I don't really use the spirituality portion mm-hmm. of this, but I completely fell in love with the Enneagram because Haley made me take it, and I, like, I was, like, crying. I was like, what? How, how did it know? It's so good. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, this is, like, a really, I feel like we're on American Idol. This is, like, a really long, dramatic lead-up to what this actually the is. the Enneagram. Uh, so, the Enneagram is a model it's like a, f- a personality framework made up of nine core types so if you are kind of seeing this in your mind's eye it is a circle and there's nine points along the circle there's type nine which starts at the very top and then it goes one two three four and then five six seven eight um, so you've got four on the left four on the right four on the left and each of these points are interconnected at two segments So um, within the nine types, you have your core type, which is the type that you kind of um, sit within most of the time. But at the end of the day, I was listening to the the same book, Personality Types. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And they described the Enneagram as a personal mandala of like personality. I'm trying to remember how to like rephrase it, but essentially at the end of the day, you are influenced by all of the types, Mm. not just your own type. Um, so you have, I'll list out the types. So the, the reason they're numbers instead of like letters or other terms was the idea is that if it's a number, it's unbiased. So like no number is better or greater than another number just because there's type nine doesn't mean it's better than type one. But people have kind of made up uh, terms for each of them to kind of uh, categorize what that means. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from the Enneagram Institute descriptions because I think they do a really great job of capturing these nine types. So you have number one, which is the performer, the rational, idealistic type. They're principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Um, I think it would also be fun to, I'll give my, like, my fictional characters for this as for well. The performer, yeah. I did a, a presentation about the Enneagram, and I used fictional characters to help kind of communicate who these people are. So if you're thinking about number one, um, Monica Geller from Friends is, oh my gosh. like, peak number one. She very much needs things to be right where they are. Mm-hmm. She's very uh, organized. Um, then you have type two, the helper. They're caring, interpersonal type. They're demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. So for type twos, I think I did Samwise Gamgee for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because this dude goes on like a cross-continental trek for his BFF just to throw a ring in a volcano. That's like a two, give it it at all. (laughs) Number three is the achiever. So they're success-oriented and pragmatic. They're adaptive, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. Um, I'm trying to think away from friends. Rachel Green was who I thought of for number three, but I'm I can't think of anyone else who fictionally would be a three. Um, I have to think about that one. Yeah. Uh, number four, the individualist. They're sensitive and withdrawn, expressive, dramatic, and self-absorbed and temperamental. Um, the individualist. 
I think so if you've ever read Star Girl by Jerry Spinelli, I like resonate so much with her surprise. Um, <laughs> but she's just very unique and different. I think Anne of Green Gables is also a great, mm-hmm. great option. Um, people that kind of go against the flow. Uh, then there's type five, the investigator, the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Sherlock Holmes is often used as like the fictional explanation for type five. Yeah just because of who he is. Um, Type six is the loyalist, the committed security oriented type. They're engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. Don't don't be suspicious. Don't don't be suspicious. Uh, So the loyalist, so I I thought of Woody from um, A Toy Story. Mm -hmm. I think Woody really demonstrates a lot of loyalty to his kids. He really goes above and beyond for each of the kids that he is in charge of. Um, and kind of gives everything to support them. And then you have the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type. They're spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Um, Michael Scott from The Office is who I always think of, but I think of the enthusiast. Mm -hmm. He is just, he loves to be the center of attention. He loves, um, like, having fun. Yeah. Uh, And then you have the challenger, the powerful, dominating type. They're self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. I'm trying to think of who I had as the challenger. I'm like completely blanking. Yeah. Uh, The peacemaker is number nine. They're easygoing, self self effacing, sorry, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. So I think for this one, I thought of like the Hulk. So the Hulk really tries very hard. Bruce Banner slash the Hulk tries really hard to kind of like maintain a sense of inner peace so that he doesn't, you know, Hulk out. Hulk out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those are all of the nine types. And again, none of these types is better or worse than the other one. They each have their own unique personalities attached to them. Um, and then the nine types are broken down into triads. So there's the heart triad, which is twos, threes, and fours. Uh, they're very driven by like feelings. There's the head triad, which is five, six, and seven. They're very driven by like thinking. So they're the thinkers. And then you have the gut triad, which is eight, nine, and one. And they're very driven by like intuition. And so, um, In the past, when I gave a presentation about the Enneagram, I asked people about how they feel when they make a mistake. And I think that kind of helps people gravitate towards the triads. And from there, it can maybe help you figure out what type you are. Um, And so when you make a mistake, do you get angry? If you get angry, you might be in the gut triad. If you feel shame, you might be in the heart triad. And then if you feel fear, you might be in the head triad. And so... Um, the method that I always tell people to use with the Enneagram is to take the test. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the paid one, but take an Enneagram test, get your top three types, and then go read about them. And then if none of those feel correct to you, then maybe read about what the other types are. So usually I tell people that the test is a good way to start. And then when you read about the actual descriptions, you can kind of gauge, okay, this is, this is what feels, feels right for me. Yeah, definitely. I, and each of the types, um, I'll just mention this, but when you go and read them, they have, like, if you were to click, let's just do the achiever, Mm -hmm. um, they talk about their basic fear and their basic desires, what they are at their healthiest, what they are at their unhealthiest. They talk about 
um, celebrities you might be like, mm-hmm. uh, your key motivations. They even have little blurbs of people who who identify as that type, and you can read their story. Um, so it's very, very interesting. Um, and so definitely something to read through, but though that is why it's easier to almost self-type when you read through these things mm-hmm. because you know yourself better than a test will. Like, yep. And that, that just is a blanket statement for all of these things. Um, you know yourself better than a test will. And so don't take these things and be like, well, that's me. Now I got to be that. Right. Uh, like you're, you're not those things um, unless you believe those things. And so I would say, I would say go ahead and read about it. And then the other piece about the Enneagram, again, like the all of the types are influenced by all of the types. Um, you also have these things called wings. So your core type, which is just the singular number. So for instance, you could be a type two, right? And so one above and one below the two is the type one and the type three. So a type two might be influenced by their wings. So remind me what your so your Haley's a type two. I'm a type two. My wings are one and three. So yeah, because um, you you wing in between those two things. But in my stress, I'm an eight, mm-hmm. and in my growth, I'm a four, um, which is so funny because the two most important people <laughs> to me um, are four and eight. So um, it's just funny. So so I say I often see myself shifting back in between both wings. one, two, and three all mm. the time. Like I see myself. Um, and the basic fears and motivations of a three, a one, and a two all the time. Um, and I, I rotate. But I, I definitely would say um, I'm a two. I can see it. I can feel it. I'm a yeah. two. So, uh, and then, yeah, I move in between wings, though. Okay. So you, you jump between the two. And Alex, what are you? I'm a type four. Oh, big surprise. surprise. <laughs> I don't know how many episodes it take for everybody to figure it out, but I feel like they could have figured it out from the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm a type four and so my wings are a five and a three and I, I feel very similarly. I think depending on, um, I think just going through therapy, going, it seeing my current therapist has really reaffirmed for me that I'm a type four. I had this like existential crisis because my friend Jake gave me the actual paid Enneagram Institute test for my birthday and I took it and I tested as a type eight and I was like, what? Alex's world was shattered for like a good hour. She was like, no, I can't be an eight because I'm definitely a four. And, and, so, and that tells you why she's a four. <laughs> and so I think to me, when I took the, the test, there was this huge like dissonance between like what I felt and what the test was telling me. And then I read some more about how sometimes type fours can mistype as a type eight just because of like the way that we act in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think going through therapy is kind of reaffirmed for me that I am a type four because oftentimes the type threes are so productivity oriented and so image focused that they get caught up in like these personas they create for the different parts of themselves. Um, and I literally, my therapist literally told me like two weeks ago, she was like, we were having a conversation about yoga and mindfulness. And she was like, have you tried mindfulness and like meditation? And I was like, yeah, like kind of, I've done yoga because I feel like when I do yoga at the end, when I'm lying in corpse pose, it feels like I earned it when I got there. Like it feels like I worked hard (laughs) and I like earned that moment of stillness. And she pauses and she goes, Alex, why do you have to earn your rest? And I was like, 
Oh, oh wow! Dang it! Okay, you got me. You got me on that one. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I definitely feel like very drawn to like um, even like, we, we've been watching Veronica Mars and um, Veronica. It's so angsty. It's so angsty. Dang it, Teen <laughs> Alex would have loved this. Um, but Veronica, she investigates people. She kind of works as a private detective. And I think sometimes I see her as like a type five because she's just so worried about gathering information. Like she almost hoards information. Um, and when I watched that show, it that also kind of resonates with me as someone who is a wing five and like trying to gather all that information. Because like when I gave my Enneagram presentation, Haley witnessed how like angry I was because I didn't have all the information yes. I felt I needed mm-hmm. versus when I've given presentations in the past about me, like I feel good about that because it's about me. Like yeah. I already have all that information. Right. Yeah. So you could, if you maybe take the test and you've read about your type and you still don't feel like that's maybe solely you, I would maybe read up on the wings for wow. your top type because you could be being influenced by uh, one above or one below. And so that might be your core type and you might be a wing of, of whatever you, you tested highly as. Right, which is why it's important to know what triad you're in. Because if, if you start to feel yourself pull towards another triad completely, like I've had somebody, I've met somebody who was like, I'm a, I'm a two, but I'm also um, a seven. I'm like, no. That's I'm like, there's works. no way. Like, there's no way. Like, I, I don't want to tell you how who you are, but, like, you're not that person. Um, <laughs> so, like, there's just no way. And so I think, um, I think definitely just understand it a little bit more. And like we said, the more you read about mm-hmm. it, I think the more you'll begin to understand. And, and not that you need to take all these personality tests. Like, I'm not going to push it on you and tell you this. But it really does kind of help. Um, and everybody likes to feel a little bit known. Yeah. Because so. I think that the reason we, we're talking about this in, in, in communicating about relationships is because, number one, this is a relationship with yourself, right? Like, it's better to know who you are, and that will help you communicate that to other people. And I think that's kind of the second piece is, now that I know this piece about gift-giving and words of affirmation... I can communicate that to my partners and to my roommates and to my parents and let them know like, hey, I really like it when you do this because it it makes me feel really good. And that's because gift giving is one of my love languages. And that might be an easier way for people to communicate about themselves than saying like, oh, I really like it when you do that because it makes me feel good. That might feel weird to some people. It might be easier to like, you know, almost blame it on the test, if that makes sense. You can give it language so that, yeah, just give it language. Um, definitely. And our, our tagline kind of was that like relationships don't work unless you do. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's just the truth. Like you cannot be in relationship with other people unless you start to really understand yourself. It's the same thing. Like I can't give love unless I know how I want to be loved and I Mm -hmm. can't really love others unless I love myself. And all those like phrases you hear are, are very true. So I would argue it is very important for you to know more about yourself and it's important for you to ask the questions to the people around you. Um, like, do you feel loved when, when I do such and such? Um, do you feel appreciated when I do such and such? It's like getting to know a supervisor. Like, you kind of study their behaviors and you realize, oh, I don't really like when I do that. Or yeah. they, whatever. Like, it's the same thing. You should try to do that um, with a lot of the people in your lives. Get to know yourself and get to know them. And you can always give them these personality tests, too. Um, I, I've passed on the Enneagram to literally anybody who listen to me. <laughs> 
Like, if you talk to me for more than five minutes, we've never taken it. I have a link. Do you have and a link? And then I just, yeah. I'm like, it's 60 questions, but it's worth it. And, and then we made it. everyone in our coworkers, we made every, <laughs> not in housing, but when you when we worked for the career, center, career center, uh, we literally made every single one of our coworkers take it the first week that we met them. I know, and, I, and then they opened it, and one of the people on their list was like, 60 questions. <laughs> <laughs> And we even started guessing people's types. Like, no, this person is this type. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. It's fun. I do want to make a side note really quick. Yeah. If you have taken this test and you're a nine, a nine is the most intriguing to me because they are told <laughs> they just are. Like nines are so intriguing to me. You're gonna talk to Jay. I I think it's just so interesting. They encompass nines are supposed to technically. Some people say they encompass all the types. And I think that that is so yeah. interesting. That's why they're at the top of the, the framework. Right. And so when nines are like, well, sometimes I feel this and sometimes I feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very, I think it's because they're trying to make peace within all the types because yeah. they are the peacemakers. So um, definitely, definitely very intriguing if you, if you type as a nine. Don't think that you're like, I don't know, very neutral or whatever. I just yeah. think I just think it's a very interesting one if you, if you do get to that one and understand other people in your lives in that way too. I love that. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up, this is definitely going to be a two-parter. <laughs> it has to be. It's like 50 minutes so at long. this point. <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up our, our conversation, um, I do want to plug our new Instagram. Yay! So as of the, the day of our recording, which will be – Unknown to you, uh, <laughs> uh, we have an Instagram, so you can follow us at you, Y-O-U, underscore, and everyone, all one word. Um, it should have the same picture as our um, podcast. It, it'll have the same, the same icon picture, picture icon. Uh, and maybe, I'll th- I was thinking about doing some stories, kind of like talking about who we are for people. But I also now want to do a story or maybe a post about, like, uh, where people can share their types. Like, what, I'm a Myers-Briggs Ooh, or great. this is my love language. Uh, it would be really cool to kind of hear from you all what your your types are from all the mm. personality tests we've talked about. So take a look in our stories or maybe our feed. I haven't decided which I will do. But definitely give us a follow. It would be great to, to engage with our audience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Do, do you have anything you want to plug, Haley? Um, yeah, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, mm, you're more okay. than welcome. Oh, when you're on it? <laughs> Alex, just call me out. So my Instagram, I'm not on all the time. She and like it. right now, I deleted it, but I get on the desktop and I'm just annoying. But you I, deleted it, but you get on the desktop for Sometimes you send me dogs still <laughs> and I want to see them. Um, I only do it occasionally. It still limits the amount of times I get on. Anyway, I'm on a hiatus, not because I'm, like, uppity about who I am, but because I, I don't, you know, some people just get real prideful about it. But no, I'm not. I'm just, I just need a moment off of it because I have too much to do. Yeah. Anyway, when I am on it, you can follow me on Instagram as Haybach, H-A-Y-B-A-U-G-H. My last name is spelled weird. It's spelled Bachman, but it's pronounced it's with a G-H, but it's pronounced like a chicken, like Bach, like, you know what I mean? Okay, no. Bach, Bach. Uh, Bach, Bach. Um, so that's that's the weird spelling in it, but it matters because my Twitter is my full name um, mm. because, you know, that higher ed world. Branding. So branding. We love branding. I really should have everything be the same. That's actual branding. Yeah. But my Twitter, which I'm recently back on, is H-A-L-E-Y-B-A-U-G-H. 
Oh, um, so your full government name. My full government <laughs> name. In case I ever get famous and people need to follow me, this it is, is my full you name. Claimed it. I have. So I that even if there it. is another Haley Bachman that gets famous, I was super pumped that it wasn't taken. I mean, you'll be the first famous Haley Bachman. Yeah, I will. Um, so yeah, those are my two things. If you want to follow me on there, any other plugs? Uh, we're on five platforms now. Yeah, so we are. when we posted this, we were really just on Anchor, which is how we're kind of putting everything out there uh, and Spotify. And as of this week, we are on uh, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor. Uh, I don't remember what the other two are. Yeah. We're on two more. Yeah, two more. Just believe us. Yes. Uh, and then we're looking to get on iTunes soon. It takes, it's like a process. So it's, I can't tell you exactly when we'll be on iTunes, but yeah. if you give us a listen and you have the ability to rate our podcast, uh, that would be great. You know, Please follow do. us. And download. Up. Download our stuff. Yeah. So it turns out we don't get data about who has listened to the podcast unless you download it. Um, we don't get... there. You, it, there's no way to hear like who streams it. So you, we don't have that information. Um, but thank you for listening and... Do you have anything you want to plug in? Oh, shoot. Um... This continue listening and oh my my social media. Uh, I am at Alex M underscore Stewart. So A L E X M underscore S T E W A R T, um, and that's all social media. So at Alex M underscore Appropriate Stewart. branding. Yikes! I'm just <laughs> sucking at this. You know it is. What it is. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for listening. We are so happy to be here. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Kevin MacLeod for our intro and outro music. It's called Funko Rama. You can find uh, all of Kevin's work in the link in our description box. Uh, he does a lot of amazing work with music, so definitely check him out.